never say that. Goonies never say die. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I am Joel. And I'm Josh. And have you been injured or killed in your plane by an alien? You may be entitled to superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) You may be entitled to a latex suit. (laughs) With a tie. (laughs) And a big button. Ultraman, go! <laughs> yeah, yeah so this week I said the topic in the couch gag in like a month. No, you haven't actually. No, no we just month. did. Did we? What? what? Joel just did. Oh, I did. He yelled something about Ultraman. Oh, so that's what a show is Ultraman. And this is going to be a wild ride. Indeed. <laughs> right now. It's going to be something. It's going to be a thing. Well, if you like things, you'll find several <laughs> probably on the uh, Podcast Collective. Which I used to have on my show notes, which were open. Ah. I think I think if Josh was here, he's talking about all things Transformers, uh, the history of bad ideas, the anime Trap House, and HTML, all the things. Oops. And of course, Geek Life Radio's own Red Dead Radio Hour. Hey, it's definitely not going to be the thing. It's not going to be the thing if you're going to do it over the show's name. Yeah, I messed it up. You guys are supposed to say hey though on the second one. Hey! Yeah! Hey! 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 So that was hey. it, then, right? Hey! Hey! We found it. Hey! Yeah. Oh, well, if you go da da da, I'm just gonna go hey. What is going on? <laughs> so this is this is going to be an interesting show. How 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 long can four guys attempt to not talk about the thing they're supposed to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna find out. Hey. <laughs> If you're looking for more of this, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Blueberry, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Podcasts. We are all over the place. You can also go to 40go14.com and listen to us on the web. Or on the web? The web. Not just any web. The web. web. Not your mom's web, but the web. Also, you can give us a call at 78NOWRAP, 708-669-9727. You can uh, go on to our Facebook page and join the conversation on Discord. Join our Discord. Chat with us about food, about anime, about video games, about painting your nails. That was a topic this week. Mom's web goes to college. Medical questions. We'll answer them. We can talk about anime food. Send Patrick a picture of your urethra, and he'll tell you what you've got. A urethra. A nice penis. And it is about that time. Jesus Christ, it is. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sportsu. So that Sport. just happened. Sportsu? Yeah, Japanese for sports. Mm. Talking you about Ultraman. Just, you can't just tack ooh onto the end of a word. And I looked it up. Jeff. I looked it up on Google and I checked the pronunciation. And it's sportsu. That's how I say it. Check it out. Josh, I'm going to default to you on this one. He's probably right. I don't feel like looking it up. Okay. If we if we have any Japanese fluent listeners by chance, please call us up and let us know how that is supposed to sound. Yeah. Because that's not how it's supposed to sound. <laughs> it, I'm sure he's trying. It's not far off, but I'm sure that's not how it's supposed to sound. Nah, In fact, for this, I'm just going to say I believe this entire episode, up. this whole episode, if you're fluent in Japanese, just call us and correct us on everything that we're going to say from this point <laughs> yeah. on. Please there's going to be a that. lot. Of, yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> going to be a lot of fact checking going on if you know Japanese. <laughs> All right, so this week we're going with January 2nd, 1966, the premiere of the show Ultra Q. Which is somehow related to Ultraman. We'll get to that. Yeah. 
All right. So music. Uh, the number one song in the land was Simon and Garfunkel's The Sound of Silence. Sounds of Silence. Yeah, it's the sound. I don't know why they yeah, I copied and pasted. I thought it was a sound, but it said yeah. sounds. sounds. I didn't even notice that. That was a sequel. <laughs> <clears throat> Although my favorite song is still the one where they go, la, 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 when they shoot the shotgun at people. That's, That's my favorite the, song. The boxer. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great song, by the way. It's a great freaking song, yeah. Even great. though you're trying to mock it. Well, they keep shooting the shotgun at everybody. It's like violent. It's a cannon. You ever heard of it? You know, like John Philip Sousa, you un-American jerk. It's Dr. Sousa. What is <laughs> happening? I've asked this all. <laughs> so what happened to the podcast? I heard Ultraman was our last show. You think I got into a fight about John Philip Sousa. Who the hell saw that coming? I'm doing the Blart cast from here on out. <laughs> all right, you- so... You know, oh. Fred Frederick fucking Chopin. <laughs> so uh, the Supremes released My World is Empty Without You on December 29th. Written and produced by Motown's main production team of Holland, Dozier, and Holland, it was one of the few songs written by the team for the Supremes that did not reach number one. It peaked at number five on the U.S. pop charts for two weeks and at number 10 on the R&B chart. It failed to chart on the U.K. singles chart. That's a lot of charts. Chart. Chart. Paul Chart. Mall cop. <laughs> All right, and finally, Brian Keith Dexter Holland, born December 29th as an American musician, who is the lead vocalist, rhythm guitarist, and primary songwriter of the American rock band, The Offspring. He is also the creator of the hot sauce, Gringo Bandito, launched in 2004. In 2017, Holland attained a PhD degree in, guess this, molecular biology. Now, not only did he attain it, but he was getting it, took a break to found the offspring, become a rock star, and then said, eh, I guess I'm bored with this. I'll go back and get my PhD. You got to keep him educated. He he and Brian May May probably have some pretty deep conversations, I bet. Mm -hmm. Over their hot sauce. What? Huh? Do they know each other? I mean, it's rock. You know, they probably do. He's his best friend. (sighs) It's keep coming. Alright, I'm moving on to movies, where the number one movie in the land was Thunderball, which was the fourth James Bond film starring Sean Connery and Claudine Auger, which premiered in Tokyo. That's a good one. I like Thunderball. I don't remember that one. I mean, I remember it, but I don't remember, like, plot or anything. Was it a good one? I vaguely remember that one. I think that's the one that got remade later. Isn't that the one that had, um, 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 oh my god, why can't I think of what it was called? The roller skating... Uh, whipping around in the rink. Oh my Jesus! I'm totally blanking out now, and it's completely gone now that I can't think of it. It's the one with Domino. Is this the one? No. Yeah, Claudine Auger's yeah. Domino. Yeah. Well, the the, fe- the female roller skaters going around in a in a circle, bashing each other in the elbows. What the hell is that called? Roller derby. Thank you. You're I was welcome. completely blanking on that. Thank you. All right. Cool. Gotcha. All right. My stroke is subsiding. Born Shut on... up. Okay, okay, I won't go. No, no, no. <laughs> Born on December 31st, Nicholas Charles Sparks is an American novelist, screenwriter, oh. and philanthropist. He has been he has published 21 novels and two nonfiction books, all of which have been New York Times bestsellers. With over 115 million copies sold worldwide, uh, worldwide in more than 50 languages, 11 of his novels have been adapted to film, including The Choice, The Longest Ride, The Best of Me, Safe Haven, The Lucky One, Message in a Bottle, Walk to Remember, <clears throat> Nights in Rodantha, Dear John, The Last Song, and The Notebook. I have never seen a single one of his adapted movies. I think I saw one of them. I don't think I have either. I can't remember any of those. Yeah, I don't think I've seen Interesting. 
somebody gets a brain tumor and like they die and then they're like in love and then they write in the notebook. Yeah, there's a lot of love, there's a lot of love and a lot of death in his stuff, from what I understand. A lot of romance and a lot of swooning and a lot of dying. So yeah, I remember the notebook. I remember when it came out. I asked Suzanne if she wanted to go see it, and she was like, "Nope." A lot of forlorn looks. Yeah. <laughs> what are you giggling at? Uh, All right. So TV top shows in the land were Bonanza, The Red Skelton Hour, The Lucy Show, and The Andy Griffith Show. Wow, that's quite a lineup, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, all in all, that's some good entertainment right there. You could have three hours of Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seinfeld. All right. Also, Kate Schellenbach, born in New York City on January 5th, is an American musician and television producer. She is a drummer of Luscious Jackson and was a founding member of the Beastie Boys. She played with the Beastie Boys from 81 to 84 and drummed for Luscious Jackson until the band broke up in spring of 2000 and again when they reformed in 2011. Schellenbach was also the drummer for the punk band The Lunachicks. She was later an Emmy Award-winning segment producer on the acronym of the week, which is T-E-D-S. Pretty sure that just stands for Teller Eats Dick Sandwiches. <laughs> wow. Was that after Penn kicked him out or what? Wow. <laughs> what do you got against Teller? I know. Well, originally it was going to be Tiffany, but I figure she's been through enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That is the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh, you're always so close, though. This has been your TED talk. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to watch one of those. <laughs> Nom, 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 nom. Welcome to my TED Talk. Nom, 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 nom. (laughs) (laughs) She's also worked as a producer on The Lopez Tonight, Chelsea Lately, Kathy, and Love You, Mean It with Whitney Cummings. She is currently the producer of The Late, Late, Late Show with James Corden. I'm sorry, Late, Late Show with James Corden. Wow, she had quite a career. Right. totally forgotten about Luscious Jackson, but I didn't even know she was in the Beastie Boys. Well, she's not dead. No, I know, but I mean, it's like you start out as a drummer with the Beastie Boys and you end up like this Emmy nominated war I'm sorry, Emmy award winning yeah. TV person that's had quite a music career on top of that. I mean that's that's impressive. It's doing a lot. Yeah. How also Shindig was an American musical variety series which aired from September 16th, 1964 to January 8th of this week. The Who and the Kinks perform on the last airing of the show, though two days earlier, the birthday of Elvis Presley was celebrated in the final Thursday episode of the series. I do not recall Shindig. Me either. I do. I mean, I remember the name. Uh, Real quick, I posted a picture of Kate Schellenbach with the Beastie Boys in the chat. I know this isn't good for the listener, but take a look at that. And it's insane, like how young they were. Yeah, that aging thing. If anybody's interested, go look up Kate Schellenbach in like the first three or four photos of her with the Beastie Boys. And they look so young. I will. I will put this in the show notes. So you know what Joel is speaking of. Also, Rawhide was a Western TV series starring Eric Fleming and Clint Eastwood. The show aired for eight seasons with a total of 217 black and white episodes. Rawhide was the sixth longest running American television Western, ending its run on January 4th. Rawhide! That's a good show. It's fun to watch. I've never seen it. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, I've seen my fair share. I'm amazed at Rawhide. You're amazed at what? That you tried to make that joke. Oh. Not really amazed, though. That would not be the right word. Anyway, moving on to sports. 
On January 1st, tradition the traditional day for college bowl games, at the 32nd Orange Bowl, number 4 Alabama beat number 3 Nebraska, at the 32nd Sugar Bowl, number 6 Missouri beat Florida, and at the 52nd Rose Bowl, number 5 UCLA, UCLA beat the number 1 Michigan State. Moving on, on January 2nd, at the National Football League Championship held at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers beat the Cleveland Browns 23-12. It was the first NFL title game televised in color and the last one played before the Super Bowl era. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Yep. And (laughs) here it comes. Oh, boy. Here Here we go. Shetan Sharma, born January 3rd, is a former Indian cricketer and politician who played tests and ODIs as a fast bowler for the Indian cricket team. For his ability to get useful runs down the order that at at too quick a rate, Shatan was seen as a natural successor to Kapil Dev in the all-rounder category. Of course. That's what I was thinking. Who else, man? By the early 90s, his bowling dropped in pace and its sharpness and his strike rate had dropped considerably. On, 20, on December 24th of, of 2020, he was elected as chairman of the selection committee of, in, of the Indian cricket team. After his retirement, Shatan became a cricket commentator. He opened a fast bowling cricket academy in Panchakula in Haryana in 2004, which closed down in 2009. Shatan is the nephew of the former Indian cricketer Yashpai Sharma. Oh, that's uh, why I know his name. See, now it all makes sense. You thought I was just mispronouncing Yashpai, didn't you? I really did. I yeah. did. Everybody knows Yashpai, but Chatan? Now, my question is, if there's a fast bowling cricket academy, does that mean there's a slope? I mean, are, are there, like, different academies, and do they have, like, turf wars and stuff? Well, the slow bowling cr- cricket academy, they have to take a different bus. Their, their coaches over there are like, <laughs> slow curly. <laughs> slow curly plays cricket. <laughs> He's a slow pitch cricket guy. I had Sharma for dinner tonight, actually. That was so fucking good. Did you have the Yashpai Sharma? No, I had the Shatan Sharma. Mm. It's a little less spicy. I was going to say, that's a little more milder than the other one. But it's been aged more. All right. Good God. Yeah, let's get the hell out of this. It's spicy. Play a soft keyboard, Joel. Hey! So, Ultraman. Is a lot more to it. Well, say not a lot more to it, but more to it than you expect. Well, there'd have uh, to be. There would have to be. Okay. So. I mean, th- this is literally, I'm not even joking, the first time I've ever even heard of Ultraman. Really? Yeah. That closed my mind a little. Huh. Like, I just, I've never, never even heard you're like Ultraman. I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. It sounds like a beer slogan guy or whatever, like Duff Man. But Ultraman is, I think, I think I put it in here somewhere, but like, it's stupid popular in Japan. Yeah. He's basically the Japanese cultural equivalent of Superman. Yeah. <clears throat> so, a fictional superhero in the first. Tokatsu Hero launched by the Ultra series, uh, which was essentially everyday man gets superpowers type and of thing. Tokatsu uh, is basically, wait, I, I know we're saying that wrong. Let me take another look at it. Spotsy. Tokusatsu. Tokusatsu. Tokusatsu is literally special filming. Anything that is a live action series that has significant use of special effects and usually has fantastic elements. Uh, One of the best examples is whenever Doctor Who is shown in Japan, it's considered tokusatsu. Yes. Uh, But it spawned the... uh... The whole genre, really, and would uh, move on to influence such things like Kamen Rider, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, Iron King, and other shows of that nature. Now, we talked about Ultra Q for the Twee, and it originally was called 
Uruotora Kayu. The Q stands for question. And it was a monster of the week slash ghost of the week type of um, type of show that was created by Iji Tsuburiya, who was a special effects guy that created Godzilla, or Godzilla for life to life, pretty much. So a heavy hitter. His whole concept for the show was actually, it's kind of like a 1960s black and white Japanese X-Files. Yeah, I've heard it kind of put into that light. Yeah, yeah. it was investigators that would go. He wanted to be more Twilight Zone-ish, is, was his thought process on it. But it was a group of investigators that would go investigate a monster of the week, a ghost of the week, some sort of supernatural phenomena. And that one was very popular <clears throat> and then ran uh, for a while. And after that, they brought up the actual full title of Ultraman is Ultraman, a special effects fantasy series. So I'm not even going to try and speak that in the Japanese, but everybody knows him as Ultraman. Aired in 1966 as a follow-up television series to the uh, Ultra Q one, but it wasn't really a sequel or a spinoff. Broadcast on the Tokyo Broadcasting System, otherwise known as TBS, which... Not that TBS. Not that TBS. I know it took me a second to do that when I was uh, reading on this. I had 39 episodes, 40 counting a pre-premiere special that aired in uh, 66. And it starts up when SSSP, <laughs> like, what are you guys going to call yourself? Or the SSS. Eh, probably just toss a P in there for good measure. Just cut, take the curse off that. In any letter. <laughs> any letter, toss it in. Uh, Shin Hayata is flying his plane and a red sphere of light crashes into his sub VTOL. It turns out to be the travel sphere for a red and silver giant being who calls himself Ultraman. Uh, feeling remorse for having killed uh, Shin Hayata, he merges with his essence to revive him. In return, Hayata serves as a human form for this being. Whenever danger threatens and the resources of the science control are not enough to counter it, he raises his beta capsule and transforms into Ultraman to save the day. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the Ultraman series used multiple monster costumes, the kaiju costumes, uh, before, like I said, before anything like Kamen Rider or anything else. The uh, principal were played by famous monster suit actor Haru Nakajama, who was the original Godzilla costume guy, which is kind of cool. And another Toho actor, Sasoshi Binfura, uh, Furuya was sought out for the role of Ultraman because he was apparently very tall, good proportions, and outdoor sports and martial arts background. But then they decided that Ultraman would not seem alien enough if he was using earthbound martial arts. So they just had him wrestle things, pick L- him up. Literally, yeah. Yeah, throw him to the ground. Um, <clears throat> going on. This eventually would spawn multiple, multiple extra shows. I mean, like, I think on the on the uh, Wikipedia for this one, the fan wiki, there's like 40 different shows and movies well, that show up even before 2000. Well, it's like when, when I looked up, you know, what's the newest thing? And I saw, you know, I was looking for the Netflix series. And there's been five other things that have come out after the Netflix series in 2019 alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, there. I mean, this is a literal crazy pants phenomena uh, of it being super popular out there. So some serious cast. I mean, not everyone's going to know who the Japanese actors are uh, just because this is you know, really early on and uh you know, they are who they are. But Susumu Kurobi plays Shin Hayata for 39 and 40 episodes. I got to say, you're already off to a better start than the majority of the names that you get down. Like, you nailed those. Oh, I, I don't know what it is, dude. You give me some English names and I will F them up beyond belief. You give me a couple Japanese names and I'm doing okay. I don't I don't understand it. 
But um, he was actually voiced in the American version by Peter Fernandez. <laughs> okay, I was if nobody else was going to laugh at it. I, I, laugh I, at I was it. I was hoping to do a Chai Chai Rodriguez on you guys, but yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks Pat. I had a de- I had a deadpan reaction, but I was totally muted. Yeah, I yeah I pretty much did the same thing. I was just sitting here shaking my head like. Mm. So that doesn't really translate well doesn't for really podcast. Trans- yeah, doesn't do, doesn't do good for vo- for audio only. But um, some of the other actors, Sandayu Dokomumashi, Mumushi, uh, there's uh, Daisuke, Hiroko Sarakai, Sakuri as Akiko, and Akiji Kobayashi as Captain Cap Tohisho Moromatsu, Toshio Moromatsu for 30 episodes. I love Cap. I love the fact that he's in this lab smoking the pipe, you know, or smoking a pipe, not the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> that would have that would have been a different yeah, show. Big difference. Yeah. The the the, the little little uh, hook at the end of the show is that he's high and none of the stuff actually happens. <laughs> yeah. And he's holding a snow globe. Yeah. yeah he's like, he's... The whole time he's like, "Oh, wait, wait, guys!" And then he comes out of this red globe and just one die writing it all down. Dude, give me another beta capsule. I'm coming down. Yeah. So um, the good news for these guys is they have ridden the Ultraman way for their entire lives. Uh, the guy who plays Shin Hayata has credits going up to, uh, let's see, the last Ultraman one was in 2012. And the last thing he did was in 2017, where he played Refined Gentleman in something called Samurai Gourmet which I'm sure is pretty interesting. But all these guys have, like, after this, just, all right, we're going to do Ultraman for the rest of our lives. Like, uh, the uh, Cap, the last thing he did, he he died in 1996 at age 65, which is pretty sad. Um, but the last thing he did was Ultraman Zerth, Zerth 2 in 1997. So they filmed it right before he died and released it in 97. But all the way up until his death, he was doing... He was doing Ultraman stuff. And hey, man, if it pays the bills and you like it. Well, I mean, if you think about, think, think about American superheroes, they play them for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, yeah. How long yeah. was Hugh Jackman Wolverine? Jeez. And people still want him to come back. Yeah. Uh, so some trivia on this one. Uh, the fighting scenes in this proved to be so expensive that the producers needed a way to get out of them quick. They're like, all right, we can fight, but this costs so much to do the costumes. and I call bullshit. It's 1969, dude. It's two guys in latex and fake trees wrestling around. Yeah, they had to rebuild the trees. They had to rebuild everything after they and destroyed if the it. the shot didn't go off right, they'd have to put everything back. Right. That gets expensive. The suits, try and probably were, the suits probably weren't cheap. They looked cheap. They looked as good as they could for the time, I think. Spoiler, I did not care for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking up on that. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that's one of the reasons why, like, I appreciate this show's position in history, how this style influenced literally everything in Japanese pop culture, which means all anime and many video games owe something to it. But because of budgetary uh, disti- uh, limitations, uh, I found as much as I wanted to like it, it was difficult to like because somehow it was both corny and boring at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly, I think, because if you're going to have a show about guys in rubber suits punching each other, there should be more than 40 seconds of that. Yeah. And, and the that... rest of the show should be better to make up for the fact that you can't do as good on the, you know, you should have better plots, better acting, characters, better anything, better sets, better, I don't know. We should probably get through the trivia before we start. Yeah, before we start crapping on everything. So, uh, well, that's why they marked the, they created the uh, color timer. So after he would trigger off Ultraman, it was three minutes. 
and he was able to fight for that long and then he would fly away and he was done. Which, if you if you only saw the movie version of Ready Player One, and they had that the robot glove, not the glove, where um, uh, H turns into the Iron Giant. Oh no, it wasn't H. It was whoever turned into the Gundam. He turns into the Gundam. He can only be Gundam for so long. That was actually in the book was Ultraman, and he got oh. the yeah. So they couldn't get the rights yeah. to Ultraman. Uh no, I think for the movie the reason they didn't do Ultraman is because they weren't sure they was that everybody would know who he was. So they went oh. because no one gives a shit about Ultraman. Yeah. <laughs> so they went with the Gundam because they think more people would understand what a Gundam was versus what Ultraman was. But it made more sense in the book because he could only be around for three minutes. Right. So, but uh, the series was unusual for a kids show. Is that because the uh, staff would also be part of the Japanese New Wave film movement? Uh, the writer Mamoru Sasaki was a frequent collaborator with the controversial director Nagisa Nagisa Oshama. Now, which is I looked him up. The reason he was controversial is because he did films about Japan trying to figure out who they were after the dropping of the bomb in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. So he was basically vocalizing how culture had changed and it had changed, but nobody was like saying, wow, this is what's going on around us. And he was like pointing it out to people about how everything had changed and nobody really wanted to address it. So him and some of the other players from this actually got together and did movies about how, um, you know, their Japan was getting more Westernized after World War II and how um, there was more uh, focus on obtaining items, obtaining pro- property and that sort of thing, how focus of the uh, of Japan had changed after the war. And they kind of put them on like, I don't say a red letter, but they were kind of like the, I'm trying to, Joel, give me a director that would be like that. that Kubrick. Kind of like, yeah, kind of kubrick yeah. And some but, of them just straight up did porn. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, some of the people who worked on this, that was their sideline. Yeah. I mean, it's there weren't them. Yeah. Because who judge. wouldn't want to? I'm not judging them. I'm saying, hey. No, it's, but that's a controversial subject for some people. Not me, but some people. Well, for Japan at this time, completely. But yeah, uh, especially for a kid's show. I mean, I, I think even those of us who are up to, uh, like, are cool with porn in general, you do think it's a little weird when the same production company is doing Sesame Street and Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie Does Sesame Street. What? <laughs> I just, I just think it has to happen more than once. Where like the dad is in another room and he hears a voice from the other room. It's like, why do I know that voice? C is for cock. It's good He's... enough for me. All right, moving on. <laughs> so, episode thirty-six, Akiso Giase played a prank on Susumu Kurobi by packing a spoon in the pocket where the beta capsule normally was. And he pulled, reached into his jacket, he grabbed it, held up a spoon in the air, did a double take, threw the spoon down, and then pulled the uh, the device out of his po- uh, beta capsule out and then redid it. And they left it in the show. So eventually this became a parody and an in-joke for many fans of the show. And cartoonist Jeff Nicholson uh, did a parody called Ultra Klutz, and when the, which is the title superhero, changes using a spoon. So is that where the tick gets it? Ah, oh, I don't know. Maybe a deep dive there on that one. I, I could see that being true. Maybe Ben Enlund was a fan of Ultraman, so he's like, I'm going to give a little uh, wink and a nod here. Yeah. All right. So also, a mid-60s Chevy Corvair is being shown driven by various members of the Science Patrolman on this show. The automobile has driver controls on the left-hand side, as opposed to Japanese vehicles that are normally on the right. And I thought it kind of sucked because one guy gets a jet, another guy gets a submarine, and all the other people pack into a Chevy Corvair. Get a Corvair. <laughs> so, uh, and the other thing is one technique that the effect staff... <laughs> they're flying into the battle. They're all trying to find the HOV lane. <laughs> 
There's how many people you got in that car? Uh, one of the techniques that the effects staff in filming uh, the flying vehicles was to film them with both the cameras and the miniatures uh, upside down. So they would put the string on the bottom of the car and then turn the camera upside down and film the little flying car going that way. Because their theory was, if you're going to look for the piano wires, you're not going to look underneath the car. You're going to look on top of it. So that way it would look better. Huh. Clever solutions for uh, problems, you know? Yeah. Modern yeah. problems. Think outside the bun. Yeah. But it sure looks realistic. There's no wire on top. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not thinking that the wires were the problem. <laughs> They're working with what? Come on. And the high, what else was going on at this time? Godzilla had just been made a couple years before, you know? And I'm, mm. I'm assuming that Joel and I are the only two that have seen this before. You would be correct in that. Yeah, Pat just said he didn't even know what it was. I, it was on my radar, but like I, I knew, I knew I was gonna struggle with this one. <clears throat> I wanted to like it, but I, 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 even the early Godzilla stuff, like the production value just isn't there. Like I'm glad it was made. Doesn't mean I need to watch it. Like I can appreciate uh, early uh, cuneiform's impact on writing. It doesn't mean I want to stare at Babylonian tablets. <laughs> Well, in in my house, Godzilla's a thing. Like, my youngest is all about kaiju. And so, you know, he and I will watch old Godzilla movies and the new Godzilla movies, and we'll talk about all the characters. And so I actually watched this um, with him because uh, he loves it. And I did watch the very first episode of Ultra Q, primarily because the title was called Defeat the Gomez, which the Gomez is a Godzilla suit that they retrofitted to look different enough to use it in that show as a different monster. Uh, And it was was well done enough to fool a 16-year-old kid. Oh, no. He's like, he knew exactly which (laughs) movies it was from. Yeah, that was was, not a real monster. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So... Well, I was going to say one of the things that they, that I put in my notes here. I'm like, first off, you've, hey, Frank, I'm going to put you in this rubber suit. I'm going to put a flamethrower in the mouth on top of your head. We're going to blow flames out of it because the first, what was the first monster was blowing flames? Don't inhale. Don't inhale. <laughs> we're going to hit you with fire. We're going to shoot fireworks at you. And you've got no arms. It, like the first, the first monster, though, the, there was no, nothing in the arms. You're just kind of like bobbing around there. And yeah. they knock him down, knock him into the pool. And I'm thinking to myself, that dude cannot get out of that suit. He's going to drown. <laughs> so I'm watching a man die. You better, you better call cut real soon. <laughs> but, but they said that they would do like so many shows in a day that they put the suit on and they would like spray paint it. And one guy, what are the guys in the suits? Uh, and in an interview was like, yeah, sometimes we were in the suits while they were changing them up. You know, they and another times the suits only cover the top half of their body. So that's why they were real tight cuts. And sometimes it was most most of the time with the ones that um, the monsters that like ran on all fours, because if they they couldn't, they wouldn't have balance if they were running around all fours. So they just put the top part on and like, let them crawl around on their arms. Mm-hmm. They did what they needed to do, man. So and uh, we did what we, what we needed to do when we were making anybody's taco, but we're not releasing it to the nation and saying, watch this and tell us it's great. Well, <laughs> my theory is that this guy like got into the Twilight Zone. He's like, OK, I'm going to make the Japanese Twilight Zone. And they pressured him because he was known for Godzilla. And yeah, put some rubber suit monsters in there. It's like, OK, fine. I'll put some rubber suit monsters in there. And then he goes back and tries to make more Twilight Zone. And they're like, sorry, dude, they like the rubber suit monsters. <laughs> <laughs> what can we tell you? 
Yeah, and then I mean, from that point on, he's just like, well, fuck these rubber suits. I am going to punish everyone and everything that has anything to do with a rubber suit monster for the next 50 years. <laughs> you wanted rubber suit monster? You got it. And thus a franchise was born with very deep lore and a villain's roster and rogues gallery and whatever you want to call it. And it's insane. Like, I watched the Ultra Q, I watched a couple episodes of the original Ultraman, and I watched Ultraman Ace that uh, my kid suggested. And uh, and it's not just one Ultraman anymore. There's there's the whole, like, planet of Ultramen mm-hmm. and women. And just in, in this, the stuff I watched there was probably at least 15 or 20 different Ultraman. At least. It's insane. Mm. Yeah, they have in the uh, the one I told you to watch where they have, like, the Ultraman brothers. Yeah. They all have different, like, different versions of their the helmets that they're looking at and that sort of looking through and that sort of thing. It's They took this and they milked it 100%. Well, I mean, just think if you were a kid in the 60s, you know, and, and Godzilla happened in 54, and then there was a subsequent films that came out after that, and you wanted to go see big rubber suit monster fights, in, but they were only in the theater. How cool would it have been at that time to turn on the TV and every week you got to see a rubber rubber suit monster fight? I'll tell you, I grew up watching this stuff on Channel 44, Chicago, UHF station, and I had a Ultraman helmet, and I played Ultraman and had, like, the, they had this red, my, my grandfather, for some reason or another, had, like, a case of this red masking tape, and we'd use it to, to, we would play with it. And I would take that, and I made bracelets, like Ultraman had, and I would do the, ah, do the beam and all that, to the point where I had some of them on there for so long, <laughs> my mom was like, they started to get an odor, apparently. Oh, no. Because I wore them to bed, and, you know, she, she had to come to me in my sleep and cut the things off my wrist. But I dug this stuff as a kid. I love this, and I think this eventually, you know, led into watching um, uh, the, uh, not Gundam, but um, Battletech and all those other shows. But this this was my jam back then. And I have to agree, although I remember when my nephew first got into Power Rangers, and that's his thing, like, now as an adult in his 30s, you know, Power Rangers is like a thing for him. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the Power Rangers and go, man, this is kind of dumb. But then I'd have to stop and go, you know, I watched this exact same kind of shit when I was growing up uh, between the Godzilla movies, the, you know, the uh, Gamera, the Rodan, the whatever, and then moved on to this stuff, like Common Rider that you mentioned, which is another big one uh and it's really it's the same thing i mean it's exactly the same thing and there's something charming about it i know you the other two guys don't care for it per se but i don't know if it's nostalgia or it's, just it's not it's not even a per se it's i just don't care for the whole kaiju rubber monster fight thing i, I just don't care for it it's not at all entertaining to me I mean, I'd rather see like the modern take on kaiju films, you know, like uh, Colossal or uh, even the recent Godzilla uh, MonsterVerse where it's more realistic. But, you know, it's kind of I always enjoyed kind of the creativity behind the monsters they would come up with and the powers probably more so than Ultraman himself. And I think my issue with it is I can tolerate low production values, especially if there's historical pop culture significance. I have a difficult time tolerating boring because that's not like interesting is not a technology that was discovered. in. Things have been good long before this was in, was written. Right. So that's, that's <laughs> sort of a, a cardinal sin that I just couldn't get over for this. Like, Chaucer would like to talk to you. 
Ooh, I'd like to talk to him as well. Right? Might be difficult at this point. But yeah, yeah I just, I mean, I, I, I only got through the very first two episodes of this, and I was just, I was, I'm not, I, 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 I don't like to be a close-minded person. I really don't. I pretend to be, but I'm, I, I'm not actually. And it was within the first like one minute, I was like, yeah, this is horrible. I don't like this. Well, and I'm talking, talking, I'm talking like the only thing I liked was the, the, uh, no, no, I didn't even like the intro. So yeah, nothing. <laughs> I get. I kind of, I kind of a little bit liked the uh, swirly effect in the intro, but that's oh, about with, it. With the paint, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. I think for me, it was like this or Scooby Doo, you know, because I was watching this in the late seventies, which would, you know, I was seven, eight years old. Funny enough, I also hate Scooby Doo. Anyway, go ahead. Why are we friends? I, I don't know. Because there are things that. that don't suck that we both like together. Yeah, you're kind of on your own on Scooby Doo. I, I I know I get that. I just don't. I mean, I don't like any of the Hanna Barbera type stuff. I don't like Scooby Doo. I don't like any of that. Nah, I just don't well, care. Scooby's for it. not very fond of you either. And we talk. Yeah, I, I bet I, I I bet you Scooby and Shaggy would like me quite a bit, sir. You're like Redneck's a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, but they would I love having with me if if you know what I'm saying. Oh, you like food. <laughs> No, I paint vans for a living. Duh. Oh, there you go. Okay, I got it. But no, I mean, for, for what was on TV at the time, it was either, I mean, like, this showed up. God, what, what was the lineup? I remember it was like this, a couple other adventure things, and then at the end of it, it was like the courtship of Eddie's father. And there was no knew. rubber suit monsters in that. No rubber suit monsters in that People whatsoever. let me tell you about my best friend. And I only knew him as a Hulk, so I started watching that, and I'm like, what is this? What is he, he's going to beat up the kid? <laughs> But somehow the fight scenes in the courtship of Eddie's father were longer. (laughs) He had more than three minutes on the clock. A little more gravitas. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Laura about this after I watched some, uh, I think it was last night. And I was like, I already know Mike likes it. I said, Pat and Josh are going to hate it. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. As soon as I, as soon as this came back on, I sat back and was like, wow, I'm really digging, you know, I'm, I realize this is crap and I know I watch crap, but I kind of had that like, <laughs> oh, you know, I really, I really dug this as a kid. And on the back of my head, they are going to shit all over this. Yeah. I had, I had a visceral, I had a visceral reaction, like a, a, a hate I felt for you while I was watching it. <laughs> for Jesus. Really? <laughs> no, not really, but like, I oh like, my God. I was like, damn it, Mike, what the hell? Look what and you've gotten us for- into this time. <laughs> that's not a what? foregone conclusion for me that I was going to hate it. Because uh, I wanted to like it. I just couldn't. It had no shot with me. Yeah, really, like, we could have told you that you were not going to enjoy this. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been a nice warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get how this goes, do you? <laughs> yeah. Have you not picked up on the theme yet? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's... I get it. You know, I know this isn't for everybody. I mean, it's not a, you know, I, and I, I will say this, like at school, you know, when <laughs> school, what are you playing on the bar? You know, everyone's running around during, uh, uh, what do they call Recess? that? One? Recess. Yeah. The thing when they let you out and run around and I'm playing Ultraman and I won't lie. The other kids are like, what the hell are you doing with the crisscross hands and that sort of thing? And, you know, it's, yeah, I enjoyed it. I've always been one to just like what I like. So hey, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. We're moving on up. You know what it reminds me of a little bit in what? retrospect? He said there ain't nothing wrong with that. Oh. Uh, 
It has a little bit of the 66 Batman vibe to it. Not that it's the same type of thing, but same same set almost. Kind of doing the bat dance. <laughs> the Batusi. The Batusi. Uh cuz sometimes <laughs> the way that the the characters would interact and kind of you, know, you just can't get rid of a bomb mugging to the camera and stuff like that kind of felt a little like uh the old batman series you know or you know the kind of big and bright and bombastic mm-hmm. with uh some of the things that were going on uh and they were trying way too hard to make that kid comic relief oh the one who missed the car yeah it's, it's like oh he took off without me womp 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 <laughs> Oh, yeah. But no, I mean, it's if you would go to they, they have like Ultraman ramen noodle, they've got Ultraman Christmas ornaments. They've got I mean, it is stupid popular in Japan. And the thing is, it's like, I believe you. I mean, like if, yeah, if it's no, there, if, it, if it's yeah. their Superman. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. How so how popular is our Superman over there? Uh, I don't think he ranks. I don't yeah. know. Even I don't with know. all the Marvel movies and everything out now? I mean, I think you'd probably be surprised. Oh, wait, he's DC. Never mind. Sorry. Well, and there is a lot of American culture in Japanese culture, especially mm-hmm. post-World War II. So I, I think that uh, they have a bigger affinity for Superman than we have for Ultraman in general as a country. Yeah, I would, I would believe that. Yeah, no doubt. So, all right. I think we've, I think our uh, three minutes is up. <laughs> <laughs> It's all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Yeah. So you made it. Yay. Uh, so we will be back in a little bit and we're going to talk about the 2019 Netflix Ultraman uh, that uh, is, don't know if it's getting a second season or not, but. I could have sworn I heard just today it was renewed. Oh, okay. So, but, uh, oh, what was the other thing I was going to Oh, Patrick, the popularity of it. Ultraman showed up on stage with the Backstreet Boys when they played in Japan. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. One of the guys in the Backstreet Boys is like a, a huge fan. Was it Backstreet Boys or was it in sync? So he must have wanted it that way. Oh, boy. All right, I'm calling it. We're done. <laughs> Back it up. Ultraman killed the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Beep. Beep. Good run. Shut it down. Shut it down. Going home, guys. Hey everybody, this is Mike, and I'm here with the week's Geek Life Radio Artist and Song of the Week, which is Confessions of a Neckbeard by Wesley and the Crushers. Again, this is just a sample. You can hear the whole song at the end of the show. Ultraman 2019 animated show out on Netflix. So in this world, there was once a figure called the Giant of Light. After completing his mission, he goes back to his homeland. My work here is done. I must return to my people. And uh, he had erased the memories of everyone relating to him, giving humans the peace they once had. The story is based on a world where the Giant of Light is now in the past uh, high school. Shinjo Hayata notices that he has special powers, unbelievable jumping skills, strength well over normal humans, and a body too powerfully built were just enough for him to realize that he's not normal. 
including randomly breaking a guy's foot. Uh, one day he finds out that his father was once Ultraman. Shinjiro has inherited those genes and is one of the few who can wear the new Ultra suit. So it's kind of picking up 20 years down the line from after Ultraman leaves, which actually after the the first uh, season or series, Ultraman leaving the Japanese version, he erased the minds, erased the memories of everybody involved. And then took off. And then in, they changed it for the American version where he left and then they were going to be like, oh, but he will be back to save the day once more. So they kind of kind of doing the Japanese version on this one where um, the dad forgot who he was, who he used to be. So this is directed by Shinji Arakami, Ara, Aramaki. Sorry. Um, I think I may be dyslexic. This may be something I'm picking up in my old age. <laughs> have it as a hobby. Um, <laughs> Good time to figure that out. Yeah. What'd you get for your 50th birthday? <laughs> dyslexia. Uh, Self-realization that I did not like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also directed Harlock Space Pirate, which uh, we did God, two, three years ago. We did the Harlock show. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a been a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who did Ghost in the Shell SAC 2045, which is one of the more recent Ghost in the Shell ones, and a potential another show idea, because Ghost in the Shell has been around for a long time. And then Jeff Nimoy, no relation to the Spockish character, uh, who is, did uh, Digimon Digital Monsters. A little bit of a change in direction on that last one. So some names in this one. Josh Hutcherson, known for being in uh, Hunger Games by most people, plays Shinjiro, but also did the voice of Markle in Howl's Moving Castle and Van L and young Bruce Wayne in uh, Justice League Unlimited. So Rihoi, Ryohai Kimura is Shinjiro, uh, <laughs> the older one. Shut up, you bitch. Rihoi! <laughs> Note to self, delete this. <laughs> delete Pat. Just... He's, the, he's the upper upper class twin of Ultraman. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he does Shinjiro in the Japanese version. So if you're watching it dubbed American English, you've got Josh Hutcherson. And if you're listening to it in uh, Japanese, it's this guy. Uh, who has also done voices for The World Ends With You, the animation, IQ, which is right now in my house, a very popular anime about volleyball. And uh, Dodoro Hidoro is another one that he's got some vo- voices on. I've seen a couple of those. Yeah. with I, I, It's weird because like, I've been coaching the volleyball team for my daughter, and they all watch this IQ. They're all talking about Japanese anime uh, about volleyball is not something I figured to be as popular as it actually is. Uh, DC Douglas does Ido. Uh, he's got voices in Werewolf the Apocalypse, Earthblood, Shenmue 3, and Persona 5, the animation. He does the voice of Kamoshida. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Christina Valenzuela, uh, 13 episodes, does the uh, voice, also does voices for Tales of Lady, Miraculous, Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir, which is weird. Uh, does the voice of Robin Hill and Ruby. And again, Ibitsu in Doro Hidoro. Tara Sands does the voice of Rena. And Tara Sands is like everywhere in voice voice work. So she's been on Pokemon, has been doing the voice of Bulbasaur since like 96. Uh, also does this, the voice of Young been, Bond. Been doing Bulbasaur since he was a Cetasaur. Ah, uh, botany joke. This thing on? Apparently not. Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
also does Young Bon in Seven Deadly Sins and Ilvera in Berserk, which we did a long time ago also. That was an early show, yeah. Yeah. Michael Yurchak does Igaru and, and also does voices in Legend of Korra, starred in Club Dread, and uh, was the voice of Hawk's Eye in Sailor Moon. Gunnar Sizemore is uh, Sergi Hoko. Hoko. God bless it. <laughs> it's getting late. Right? <laughs> Hokio, too. Uh, he's in the TV show Nashville and also does the voice of Billy Billions in uh, Ben 10. Chris Edgerly does Yosuke Endo. He does the voice of Sid in Kingdom Hearts 3. Naruto Shippuden, he does Hidan. And Patrick, I put this one in here for you. He does the voice of the Magic Berries in the video game <clears throat> Fat Princess Adventures. <laughs> have you not heard of Fat Princess? No. Okay, now I'm going to explain it to you. And you have to believe me. <laughs> so there's a red team and a blue team. And each team has a princess. And the object of the game is to steal the princess from the opposing team. But if you say you've got the red princess, you can feed her cake and berries and food and milkshakes and make her get fatter and fatter and harder to carry. You know, as you do. And then, yeah. And so, but you can like keep feeding her while they're trying to steal her and she'll get heavier and heavier and then like just like crush the guys that are trying to carry her until they have to get more guys to come and get her and try and get her into the other castle. Well, isn't that interesting? Josh, back me on this. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good <laughs> summary of Fat Princess. The thing is, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so also Mick Wingert does Yapool and, uh, in this and also does the voice of Poe in Kung Fu Panda, The Paws of Destiny. The voice of Iron Man in Guardians of the Galaxy TV series and has pretty much been Iron Man for a ton of the Marvel stuff that's out there. And then Joel, he did the voice of Slappy in Goosebumps 2, The Haunted Halloween. Ah, seen that. So some trivia on this one. Ultraman is Netflix Japan's most watched anime for the year 2019, as well as number six as the most watched program overall in Netflix Japan. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that the first one, I was kind of like, well, that just makes sense. But number six overall is something. Uh, the series was nominated for the Best Direction TV Media category in the 47th Annie Awards held in 2020. Other than that, it also got nominated for and then won the grand prize of the 8th VFX Japan Award in 2020 for the Best CGI in the Animation category. Also, a crowdfunded live-action trailer was made for the TV to be rebroadcast the first season of the series. The fundraising project managed to surpass their goal of 5 million yen, accumulating 8,967,000 yen from only 612 supporters. And that's all I got for the trivia. Ultraman trivia is done. done. So this is wild because they basically ignore all of the Ultraman stuff in between the original series and the Netflix series. It yep. didn't happen as far as this is concerned. Yep, they retcon which is why 40 it, years. Which is why it made it a perfect uh, choice for us for the show, because we just go from one right to the other. For certain well, definitions of the word perfect, yes. <laughs> and I well, mean, yeah, chronologically and, uh, and and thematically and story-wise, it's it's perfect. I mean, having watched some of the other stuff that fell in between, like Ultraman Geed Connect the Wishes movie from 2018, it's probably not the worst thing that they did that because things got pretty off the rails. Because, uh, you know, at you, some you point... You mean like a, like a planet of Ultraman? Uh, right. I mean, if you keep telling the same story, you know, the monsters attack a, a town in, in Japan and Ultraman shows up, they wrestle, and then other Ultraman show up and they wrestle, and then... 
the bad guys lose. You know, there's only so far you can go. That's the whole kaiju thing, though. I mean, how can you say it gets boring when that is literally all it is? But, I mean, there's other stuff that you can throw into it to make it interesting. That's that's like saying, oh, I love basketball, but I get real bored by the throwing the ball through the hoop part. But, you know, the the longer you go with any any franchise, the harder it becomes to tell an interesting new story. Not that it's impossible, but as you get deeper into the lore and things, the universe expands, at some point, there's a tipping point. And I, you know, I did not feel like uh, it was the worst idea for them to jump from 66 directly to this. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, because it's, I mean, they, they go like... Like Joel said, they go off the rails. They go completely like milking this all over the place from then to the now. Ew. All the way from what the Kaiju Girls show and Ultra Galaxy Mega Monster Battle Never Ending Odyssey. That's the title of the show. Well, I mean, it, it seemed to be, at least in the movie, that they were just like, here's an Ultraman for you and an Ultraman for you and here's an Ultraman for you. And everybody got, you know, their own little special Ultraman thing that made them turn into a giant kaiju fighting badass. You know? and I, some of the titles of these movies are great. Ultraman Orb the Movie. Let me borrow the power of bonds. Can I borrow a cup of sugar? <laughs> so no. there are a few really. Can I borrow a cup of bonds? <laughs> What There's like a couple of really different things going on. For one thing, as an anime, this is the first time, as far as I know, that Ultraman has decided to deliberately steer away from the live action with special effects and rubber suits. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, I, approve, I approve that decision, by the way. That's For sure. Um, also, they decided that instead of it being a giant guy fighting giant monsters, it is a human-sized guy fighting human-sized monsters. I also approve that decision. So, yeah, they – and one thing, I always kind of thought with Ultraman when I heard the concept that it was a raw deal. So the alien accidentally kills this guy, feels guilty, and as like the way he's going to pay this guy back is he's going to inhabit him like a parasite and make him fight a different giant monster every week. Yay, rewards! That's kind of a shitty deal, except you get to this and you find out, okay, he gives him back his body, he takes away all the trauma of the giant monster fights, and he gets superpowers. Okay, that's a good deal. That's a good swap, yeah. I'd take that deal rather than just die. Yeah, I'm going to make you an indentured servant for something that wasn't your fault. Right. So I don't know if that was, like, the intention, but uh, it, it at least brought a little bit of justice to the original situation after well, a fashion. The other thing that I, I enjoyed about this is that, you know, it's like, know your audience, okay? So you've got these people that grew up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s that watched this show. They're all our age now. And they're like, oh, cool, you know, Ultraman. I remember that as a kid. And they watch it now, and it's been updated. Like, there's legit violence happening. Like, it's not just like, let's wrestle this this uh, alien, and then they everybody goes away happy at the end, and we won. Yeah. It's like, let's rip this guy's arm off and completely impale him, you know, and make sure he's dead. And uh, oh. we've got blood all over, you know. Or, or in the first fight, let me punch right through your father. Right. Yeah, that was vicious. And then suddenly he's later, he's like, oh, just a spoon. He didn't really get anything important. He went right through the middle of your fucking body. 
Well, in the third episode, there's a there's a character that I, I have a feeling is another Ultraman type character that I haven't seen that part of him yet. But they send the new Ultraman to his first like alien encounter and he walks in this warehouse and what's happening? This alien is eating human beings. He's treating like he's, them like Capri Suns. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's dead bodies everywhere with parts missing, and he's just like, you all taste so good. And he's like this creepy, like, hey, why don't you go check out my windowless van? And yeah, he's got that, that, that little proboscis thing that he sucks people's souls or guts or whatever out of. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was a good design on that guy. Mm-hmm. And then he and had it, those two pincher arm weapon things. It was cool. Yeah, he, he was uh, a inspired design from one of the original monsters. Uh, I forget what his name is, but it's one of the original monsters backwards. But I really, uh, I really liked him. I, I liked his sarcasm too. His, he had he had really good battle talk. Yeah, he talked trash pretty good. Mm-hmm. And they pulled that a few series or from the series that preceded Ultraman. There would be a monster, and they're like, "How about we?" redesign this monster and just literally uh no name backwards i mean no like it still had to maintain the same aspects like in the fourth episode they you know released the limiter that he now only has three minutes so there's things that still remain but it's updated and it's a it, it's got a totally different feel to it while still retaining the original concept uh and i have to say that this the redesign of the suit is fucking badass hmm. Like, yeah, I like the, the monster design and the suit designs are also really upgraded. Uh, Joel and I had a bit of a discussion disagreement about the uh, animation style, because I actually liked the cell-shaded animation style, though it's a little off-putting the first time you see it in, uh, like, big motion, like in a fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew to, like, really appreciate it. It reminded me of this anime cross with, like, Zelda Wind Waker, yeah, it does have. It's got that uh, that feel to it. I in, I like this uh, animation style. I a think little bit, little bit of cool. Archer to it too, as well. Yeah, yeah. that kind of like um, uh, flash animation, cell shade. No, the ro- rotoscope. yeah, rotoscope. Yeah, it's kind of rotoscoped a little bit. Or no, it's uh, cell shade. Yeah, yeah. What you already said. Sorry, but no, See, it's. Oh, go ahead, Joel. I was just gonna say, yeah, I I didn't care for Isaiah and I were watching it and. Uh, he was like, is something wrong with the, uh, like, is it buffering or something? I'm like, no, that's just the way the art's supposed to be. And he's like, but it's so smooth. And then other times it's like really choppy. I'm like, that's the way they do it. Yeah, it's I, a stylistic I, choice. Yeah, it, I dig it though. It bothered me uh, a bit, but it's a small, it's a small complaint versus the overall, what I thought was a really well done series so far. I didn't hate this. Like it was done with a lot of care and attention to something that I, I was just like, okay. To me, if I hadn't known it was, like, so huge in Japan, I'd be like, why did they put all this effort into this shit? But the answer really is, is like you say, there's both a nostalgia factor and the fact that it, he's literally just the one of the biggest things in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I think with the team that put this together, also, it's the biggest thing in Japan. I think they what their take on it was, what if we redid this? with all this cool technology you know they could have mm-hmm. easily i mean god forbid but they could have easily done it in rubber suits they could have done like a live action um pacific rim style you know which may or may not have been good but i think going to the animation style they have more control over the over the scenario that you know doing a huge costume change you're not changing out a giant costume or anything like that you're you know you're just altering the image a little bit if they have to make changes on things i think this is like people who want to see ultraman be appreciated by people nowadays 
And I mean, I could see them easily doing something like you mentioned, like a Pacific Rim and it working if they put the money into it, like the MonsterVerse kind of stuff where they spent some time and care. And and I, I could see that translating really well. But I've seen some kind of lower budget versions of that that don't work. So I almost prefer that they went this route because they could really put the time and effort into it. And when that suit uh comes onto his body like you see all the little parts connecting and everything and it's really intricate and it's nice because you know in the other one it's just like blam all of a sudden he's in this funky looking rubber suit here you know you can see all the moving parts like iron man almost you know mm-hmm. and it's a it's a really nice touch because again it's like back to the voltron show where we go back and we watch the original show and we're like man in my brain this was a lot cooler and then we watch the new show and we're like that's what i saw in my brain that wasn't actually on this screen. And that's kind of what's here. It's like our 12-year-old or 10-year-old self watching Ultraman. This is what we were imagining when you were out on the playground playing uh, was this really cool suit and these cool fights, and now you can see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Patrick, you enjoyed this one? Yeah, I was wondering what. Um, <clears throat> I thought this was really beautiful. Um, I really, really liked the animation a lot. I liked a lot of the stylized choices. I I. I thought the the characters were were actually well done and defined, and like you said, the suit was really cool. The 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 battles were well done. I really liked the choice to make them, you know, just human size. It felt more like a like a normal superhero movie than a kaijin movie to me, and which I, I appreciated, of course. I know that's pretty much antithetical of the entire you know point of Ultraman and everything, but uh, I still appreciated it. I liked it. And overall, um, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I very much liked this. Mm-hmm. I would I was surprised at how much I liked this, and I really do probably fully intend to finish watching it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hooked by the animation. I really like the way it looks, and I will tell you two shots in particular that I really really liked was um one of them when uh like one of the one of the uh I don't even know, know what the villains are. I don't really care. I don't I don't need to know their names to enjoy yeah, it. You know. All right. And like they show he's trying to kill the one innocent woman and the, 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 the fireballs are coming towards her and you see the reflection out of her eye. Mm-hmm. It was a really that was a really cool shot. And and the other one was when he went in to take care of the one knife wielding terrorist and like you, they showed it to you from the security <laughs> camera perspective. That I laughed out loud when I saw that one. Yeah. Kind of like when he tries to stab him in the gut and he's kind of like, give me like, that. Like, like no. <laughs> <laughs> but Do but not the, be uncovered in metal. <laughs> the, the, the whole CCTV footage was I thought was really well done. Yeah. So well, I mean, I'm, if unless they like really go off the rails with some stupid shit or whatever, I'm in for now. I, I I'm on episode four. I want to I. I put it off for forever thinking it was going to suck, and I watched them today, and I'm kind of annoyed that I didn't start watching it earlier. Well, speaking of cool shots, the other one that I I thought deserved to mention is once they release the limiter, and he comes walking out of, like, there's all the smoke and everything, and, you know, he's, he's completely glowing red. Yeah, the guy's like, I, they, they, he's, he's like, I think you're about to overheat. <laughs> yeah, it was. It looks so. It looks so nice. Yeah, that was a pretty nice shot. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was responsible. I think you're gonna. Oh, you're overheating. Like, no, I don't think it is what you think it is. <laughs> but I mean, it gives a little bit more explanation on the three minute thing. Yeah, yeah. And just overall, in general, they give more explanation on everything, and like the 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 the. The the um writing is better. The dialogue is more natural, 
everything everything is just better. This I mean, if this was what the first one was like, I would have been way more into it. Cool. Well, there's there's a there's a story that's going on. There's an underlying thread that's running through each episode. So even though you're kind of getting a monster of the week, it's like you know, first episode is kind of the build up. Then there's a fight. Then there's a build up. Then there's a fight. And there's time to kind of digest everything instead of build up three minute fight. And you know, it's like everything's encapsulated. This actually has this. There's a whole story that's going on amidst all the other stuff. And um, and and right now, you know, uh, Shinjiro is literally re- relying on the suit to do pretty much everything for him. He still doesn't even know how to fight properly yet. You know, he just mm-hmm. and so it's going to be interesting to see when he actually gets trained and everything and knows how to use the suit and doesn't have to be tutored every time he's in the middle of a fight and stuff. By the so, way, on. Uh... Oh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes audience score is seventy three. There's not a critic score, but yeah. So as good, like I said, if, if if it continues on like this and doesn't start doing some stupid shit, I'll I'll probably keep watching it. I'm, I won't. I won't, happy. I won't binge it, but I'll you know I'll throw one on every now and then, like when I'm cleaning and stuff, and watch it and keep it in the background and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that I, makes me I, happy because you're not you're not a fan of anime and no. this sort of thing at all. No, and not at all. Have one that kind of like draws you in yeah i really like i really like the style on this one i mean it's 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 very crisp and and i just i'm into it right now so that's kind of why i want us to do like a um ghost in the shell or an apple seed show because i think you would really dig those two worlds because when you well when you find something that they put some time and effort into it and they're not just phoning it in you can get some pretty interesting things happening that you know you couldn't necessarily do in a live action situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, it, it gave me some of the same kind of feelings that I had watching, uh, Attack on Titan or, um, Psychopaths where there's, there's something and in, you're invested in it. There's something to oh, lose, you know? You just, you just reminded me of what, uh, some, some of the scenes in this reminded me of. And I didn't even know, realize it until now, but like the, the, um, um, oh God, why can't I think of her name? Um, in Pulp uh, Fiction, Lucy Liu, um, Oh, Oren Ishii. Yeah, Oren. Her 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 um backstory when they did it all anime. That's kind of I I got that vibe from some of the you know so, from some of the gore and some of the stuff from this. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's any kind of relation to those mm-hmm. animators. I don't know. No, I didn't see anything on the on no. the list. How did you feel about the update, Mike? Versus you know what you knew growing up. Oh, I agree with you completely. This is what was going on in my head when I was watching it. This is what was going on in my head when I was, you know, when I was playing it on the on the playground because I didn't know any better. That was super cool to me back when I was seven, eight years old. And now it's like someone got into my head and said, okay, this is what you were playing this whole time. Let's turn that into something real. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt during Peter Jackson's Lord of the Ring movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I feel like somebody plucked this out of my head. Mm-hmm. I Nerd. do know about second breakfast. <laughs> Patrick is second breakfast. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. I'm I'm a wizard, apparently, according to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. You eat fried when you mean to. <laughs> oh God! All right then. Oh, yeah, yeah. You hey. you you go to the corner, Josh. Okay. So I think we can call it at this point. Do you want to do thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's yeah. obvious, but it's also tradition. Yeah. So, Josh. Uh, this is going to be a uh, big thumbs down for the original, but a uh, thumbs up. I, I'm kind of where Patrick was, where I kind of wish I'd had more time to watch more of the Netflix mm-hmm. uh, version of this. And I may go back, but let's face it, video games exist. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not saying I'm gonna like binge this all in one night, but I'm definitely gonna give a few more episodes a chance. You know, so cool. So yeah, I'm I'm I follow I follow Josh on that. I'm I'm a definite 100 percent thumbs down. Um, I know I only watched two episodes, but I don't care. I know what I saw. <laughs> and you know a, and what a, you did, Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so but I got a, a, an enthusiastic thumbs up, surprising myself even on that for the new for the now. Right. I think Joel and I are both thumbs yeah. up, thumbs up for both of them. I mean, for the original show, I, I don't know how much I'll go back and watch unless Isaiah wants to watch it. I think it, I'd say a thumbs up because, well, one nostalgia and two because you know it was something I got to share with my kid. Uh, and this new series, yeah, definitely, like I was floored watching it. I was like, this is really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, I agree with you. I watched this and was like, wow, yeah, man. And I remember loving this as a kid. There must have been something wrong with me. <laughs> Are you sure that was the episode, the, the the version that you? watched there was there was this i watched this and i watched something giant it was giant robot monsters, giant robots that live inside a volcano what was the other one that i watched it was another like this and it was like the that was an episode of gilligan's island no 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 there was no (laughs) there was like a giant golden there was like a dad a mom and a little boy there was a golden rocket they all that's lost in space it's not lost in space ginger prime It probably, Ooh. the Japanese name probably had 16 words in it. it was like, <laughs> then there was a little boy and the, there were the, the bad guys would show up and they were like these guys dressed in all in black leotards, like the Zentai suits. And they would have zap them with their antennas and they turn into this mush and get sucked into the cracks in the sidewalk. And Dude, if Gilligan got like huge and had like coconut armor on and fight, would fight kaijus on Gilligan's Island, that would have been a totally different show. Not something that, well, it would not have been better. It would be a thing. Come on, little buddy. No, no. They might have got off the island. Just stop. Just stop. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. So, uh, Joel, what do we got coming up soon? Uh, well, we're going to revisit uh, Sherlock Holmes with the Baker Street Boys and the recently canceled The Regulars. Uh, we're going to talk about pirates and we're going to talk about uh, conventions. Yeah, so if you have your thoughts on any of our upcoming topics, or maybe you think we missed something key, crucial to the understanding of Ultraman, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Hey, yep. do, I, hmm? uh, real quick, uh, real quick question. Do they rate our shows? Like, do we get like movie type ratings, PG and, and the like? Yeah. So we need to make sure that we get the Pirates episode rated R. Oh, God. Dude, all of that for that joke? Good God, man. I'm out of the corner and you are in. Yeah. <laughs> I, live, I live in the corner. You only visit. <laughs> As you were, gentlemen, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where to take that now. This is this is the humor. And I certainly hope that if you're going to go to uh, either uh, Apple Podcasts, Blueberry Podcasts, wherever you listen to our podcast, then you're going to ignore Pat and not rate us <laughs> according to that horrible dad joke. For a it guy who doesn't me. even have kids. It oh, did I say Joel? Me. Hey, you know, you, you no, know what I'm saying. It wasn't me this time. Oh. You know what? You know what a pirate's second favorite mode of transportation is? Shut the fuck up. His car. <laughs> oh. If you want us to uh, help, you know what us, his you know what his favorite mode of transportation is? Get some money and get rid of Pat. You can donate at Kofi. That's K O dash F I. You can find his, us there. His, his ship, dummy. His ship maybe is. maybe buy him a book of jokes. <laughs> Or these are the jokes, folks. Yeah, this guy does stand up. Go figure. <laughs> I don't do that on the stand up. 
But yeah, everybody, thank you very much for listening and uh, hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week. Want to count us in? Yep. Let me get my. All right. My trusty counter. (laughs) Five, four, three, two, one. It's kind of an abacus with three beads on it. (laughs) Clink. Oh, that's more than three. I can't do that much ciphering. I think next week we have someone count that can do so at a steady pace. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to hire a metronome. Five, four, three, two, one. Five, four, three, 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 two, one. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. End it with a question mark. Three, two, one. Five, four, three. Hershnaffa. Don't be afraid of a neck beard.
Myself in this reality 